630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, good to have you along for the ride tonight. Good discussion on Muhammad Ali. Ryan Hall with some memories. Some interesting opinions coming from you as well. This is Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. And yeah, as I mentioned, the Blue Jays up 2-0 in Detroit after getting pounded last night. It is the top of the seventh. A couple men on base for the Blue Jays with two out and Russell Martin at the dish. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. You can call 310-GLASS. Today's come uh, NHL notes uh, here. Todd Richards, former Columbus head coach. He was fired early into last season. He's been hired as an assistant coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Scott Stevens. Once one of the most feared hitters in the NHL. Now an assistant coach with the Minnesota Wild. He had been uh, a New Jersey coach, did not coach this past season. He was an analyst with the NHL Network. Tiger Woods confirming he will not play the U.S. Open next week in Pennsylvania. He has not played on the PGA since August. All right. Uh, Hockey, of course, the next game, maybe the final game coming up on Thursday night. It is San Jose at Pittsburgh. The Penguins can win it. We'll have it for you right here on 630. Chad, and we're pleased to bring in Gord Stellick from the NHL on Rogers. Gord, you're on with Reed again. Good to talk to you again. How are you doing? Hey, good, Reed. How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm, I'm doing very well. You know, I, I, Gord, uh, just quickly here, the, it, the, I mean, Muhammad Ali passed away. Uh, I haven't had a show since Friday. Uh, and uh, didn't have a show yesterday because of the hockey game, so got the chance to talk about it in an hour. I don't know. I mean, one of the guys, if you made a short list, whether you loved him or you hated him, and, and, and some people have texted in, you know, calling him a draft dodger and stuff like that, I don't know if there's ever been a more um, brash, newsworthy athlete, and maybe one of the first guys to take advantage of, of the medium of television. Boy, Reed, imagine if he was around for shows like yours and mine or if he had his own show in his day. You're absolutely right. And, you you know, you look back when he beats uh, Sonny Liston the first time. He's 22 years old, and he just goes on and on. He's so articulate, so funny, so full of personality, so larger than life. And, uh, you know, for me, Reed, uh, I, I, I'm of the age that uh, I got to learn more about him after I watched him fight on TV, Jerry Quarry and Oscar Bonavine, and the two fights before he had his first fight against Joe Frazier. And, you know, he did all these things then off the ice, or excuse me, away from the ring, you know, all these things in his mid-20s, having no idea how he, he took a stand that was very unpopular and then was appreciated a lot more later on. And, uh, and you know, on a hockey sense, uh, Con Smythe is the guy that founded the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he was still on the board of directors. His son Stafford was in charge. He resigned when they allowed Muhammad Ali to fight at Maple Leaf Gardens, he fought George Chevallo, uh when he was when he had his uh, you know heavyweight title stripped in the states because Conn Smythe had this military record. So it's uh, kind of an interesting last little footnote that that was the end of Conn Smythe's connection to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Gord. I, I I forgot about that. Um, before we get into the Stanley Cup final, I mean, you, you mentioned Muhammad Ali being being 22. Uh, we celebrate uh, youth in athletics. There's uh, an interesting development here recently in the NHL. John Chaka is the uh, general manager of the Arizona Coyotes. He's 26. 
You were a general manager in the NHL at the age of 30. What is this young man getting himself into? Do you feel for him a bit or what? Well, it was a long run. I had that distinction. So, you know, that's gone by the wayside rather quickly. I, uh, I, you know, it's, it all comes to the setup there. Now, it, it sounds like Dave Tippett's probably the head hockey guy in Arizona. Sounds like that anyway. But, I mean, wish the guy all the best. Sounds like a bright young guy. Um, the key is your owner has to like you. That's, I mean, that's number one. It's not the other stuff. It's internally that you've got a ability to hire the best, surround yourself with the best people, and you know have the backing of your owner. That's that is critical. So certainly wish him all the best. And uh, I still have the distinction of being the youngest ex-general manager in NHL history. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if that one stays or not. Uh, well, how long were you on the job? About a year and a half. That's right. Sixteen months. Sixteen, 16 months. months. So that's so I. I did work for the Leafs for about 14 years in total, then for the New York Rangers, two years. So I was around. But anyway, that so that 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 is my fun after dinner shtick right now. <laughs> well, that's all right. It's a pretty good it's a pretty good shtick. I I I just thought it's because I, you know, the thing is like we we see we say well if you're qualified you're qualified, but there are certain jobs where when you still raise an eyebrow, right? I mean, it's like if. Uh, I, I know it's not possible, but if a 19-year-old became prime minister, right, you'd be like, well, wait a minute. He might be smart, but he's not that smart. <laughs> well, I know. Yeah, exactly. And, and now, you know, now being a lot older, I realize the, the positives or the, you know, the positives of it. But I also realized a lot of things, you know, youth, the kid is wasted on the young. I don't quite agree with that. But, you know, uh, just some of the things that maturity does bring. And you, you get a sense of it later on. I mean, I worked for an 85-year-old owner at the time in Harold Ballard. So it was a very unusual setup there. So, uh, like I said, the key always is the organization within. The other stuff, if you get a chance to, you know, do your best, good, bad, and different as a GM, coach, whatever, uh, that's all you can ask for. But if you are continually uh, fighting battles internally, that's problematic. And that happens in organizations, too. Yeah. Gord Stelic joining us inside Sports on 630 Chat. All right, as, as I mentioned, the, the, the hockey season, the on-ice part of the season, could end on Thursday. Pittsburgh has uh, the games have been, I mean, it's funny, Gord, I guess the way I would put it is the games have been close, but Pittsburgh has been in control. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Reed, just what you say. It's like, uh, you know, if, if San Jose would have got that third goal in game one, like what a killer. Penguins have a 2 nothing lead and San Jose comes back and wins it in Pittsburgh. But that didn't happen, and so you've got hockey that is is actually pretty good. I think the hockey's better than a lot of people give it credit for, but it's just not been a very compelling story because the San Jose Sharks have not held the lead at all. They win one game in overtime, but as far as holding the lead for even a minute, they haven't done that. So it's been a, it's been a little bit, you know, if you're neutral, disappointing from that standpoint. Yeah, and and you know we do on on Stoffer's show that's on noon to two. We always do our playoff picks. Uh, Jack Michaels and Brendan Ulrich and Bob and me and I, and I generally don't do well. I think I'm worse than a coin flip this year, Gord. <laughs> and I pick the San Jose Sharks. And a lot of times, if I don't know what to do, Gord, uh, I pick the team with the better goalie. And I, I just thought Jones was a better goaltender than Murray. And I, I know Murray kind of got slammed, especially for the Joel Ward goal uh, in in Game Three the other night, but. But the the shots and the, and the possession has just been, uh, for the most part, I think so far in Pittsburgh's favor. I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure the Sharks are sitting there feeling we haven't really tested this guy to really see how good he is. And I know he's a goalie in the Stanley Cup final, but I mean, if I'm a Sharks fan, that's probably what I'm thinking. Well, neither goaltender has uh, you know stolen a game, or neither's really been a problem. 
right? And that's what you know what what you want for starters. So so yeah, I, I mean the San Jose Sharks. What is it? One point between their top five scores, and yeah. you know this is a very impressive team with a lot of firepower. And uh, well, you know they're going to have to turn it on now and see what gives. But uh, the Penguins, wow, they were the hottest team in the East going in the playoffs. Uh, the skating, the speed, speed kills, and they're able to use it and they use it effectively. And then, you know, Reed, you get the system whether it's the playing the defensive style, uh, doing whatever it takes, blocking shots, all that. You can really do that in the playoffs a lot more than the regular season. That's harder to do over an 82-game season. That kind of physical toll and that kind of you know, battering you take. But in the playoffs, you can do it. And, boy, the whole team is bought in. It, it's going to be such an incredible story for me, Gord, that, that if the Penguins do finish this off by winning one of the next three, I mean, I, the context of two Stanley Cup championships where you change your coach midseason. I don't know what that says about the the longevity, the, the, the effect of longevity that coaches can have, but that's going to be an interesting footnote for possibly both these championship teams. Yeah, you know, and, and you're right. I mean, uh, it's funny, Dan Bosma coming in that time, and and, uh, and keep in mind, Terrian has really, uh, you know, bounced back with the Montreal Canadiens as well, and in uh, and, and this case, Mike Sullivan. And, and you know, Mike Johnston is, is a good coach. And it's just funny that you, you get different styles and what have you. And Jim Rutherford figured out that the coach he hired in Mike Johnson, that the style wasn't exactly the most conducive to his team. And, uh, and, he had, and so he made that move. And, uh, yeah, it, it is very comparable to Dan Balsamo coming in and having that kind of success. Uh, I don't know if you get a vote or not, Gord, but I, I was talking about this today with a couple of coworkers. Who's your Conn Smythe winner? Let's make the, the assumption the Penguins wrap it up here. Well, there, to me, there's three. There's Sidney Crosby, Phil Kessel, uh, Matt Murray. But to me, it's Sidney Crosby. And I know maybe his stats aren't as uh, sweet right now as Phil Kessel. But I, I just look at the presence, what he's done, uh, the leadership he's done, and all those other kinds of things that right now Sidney Crosby would be my con Smythe guy. Let me ask you this. What would it, I mean, here in the Edmonton market, people have been dealing with the uh, possibility of the phrase Justin Schultz, Stanley Cup champion. What would it be like in Toronto if the phrase was Phil Kessel, Stanley Cup champion, and Cod Smythe trophy winner, if it would go that way? You know, Reed, at this point, it's okay because I think people accept it's water under the bridge. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, something like Chris Bosch was harder than see him win an NBA championship because you thought he was going to be part of the build with the Toronto Raptors, for example. And the, the, I mean, you've been through some unusual situations in Edmonton over the last few years, to say the least. But the season before last in Toronto, it was ridiculous. It was like nobody was in charge. And, you know, Phil Kessel and, the, and basically a bunch of leaders um, ran the roost. And, you know, it would, they, they sort of ran it in a petulant, uh, immature manner. And I'm not singling in on Phil. That was just allowed to happen. So the, 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 the changes were necessary just because of this culture that permeated the team. So, you know, I think people accept that, you know, Phil Kessel was never going to be that leader that people thought he was supposed to be in Toronto. He never pretended that's what he wanted to be. And you knew with his talent he went somewhere that you thought he would be doing it as a winger with uh, Malkin or Crosby, but instead he's created an entity unto his own with that third line. So I think most people just kind of say, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily good for him, but either good for him or, or no problem. It wasn't going to happen in Toronto. Right. 
Well, Gord, we appreciate uh, your insight. Obviously, you're on uh, our station when Ched carries the games. You're on pregame and during the intermission, so it's always fun to hear you then. Thanks for uh, sharing some of your insight uh, today. Always glad to get your stories on the air as well. Have a great yeah, evening, man. I'll be back, I'll be back at it, uh, I guess, 6 p.m. on Thursday, so we'll see what happens then. appreciate being on, Reed. Right on. That is Gord Stellick checking in tonight inside sports on uh, 630 Ched. And, yes, an interesting story about uh, Con Smythe, Stafford Smythe, and uh, Stafford Smythe stepping aside. When he realized that uh, "quote unquote" draft dodger Muhammad Ali was going to be fighting at uh, Maple Leaf Garden, always want to hear from you. Texting six thirty six thirty is how you can do that form of communication. The uh, good old phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Coming up after seven thirty tonight, you'll want to stick around for this. Tim Hunter on the show, current head coach of the Moose Jaw Warriors. He's going to be on the uh, staff for Canada's World Junior Team coming up for the tournament in Montreal and Toronto at Christmas time. We're back after the break. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. p.m. What do we got for the temperature? Like 26 or something? Is Randy out there? Randy, we got a temperature update? I don't even know if he's there. I got 20. Uh, I got 26. Hot. No mind it. Just remember, it's not the heat. It's the humidity. And I don't think it's humid down in Phoenix. Chris is calling tonight. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's up? No, it's, it's, it's a dry heat, so it's, it's, it's okay. So what did it reach today when you when you called on Thursday? Was it Thursday or Friday when it was 41? Uh, I, I'm not too sure. It, it, it's actually been really hot the last couple of days. Uh, my, my temperature gauge right now is probably just over 40. It's 106 or whatever. But uh, when I got in my car, my car was sitting in the, in the sun on, I believe, Saturday. And when I sat in my car, my external temperature gauge read 121 degrees. So, <laughs> so what do people yeah, consider cold in Arizona? To be honest, probably when it gets uh, gets under eighty, <laughs> and that's like around twenty-two or something, isn't it? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty funny. Well, what does it uh, drop down to in the quote-unquote winter? Does it ever get below twenty in the teens? It it actually um, see this is what people don't understand is is the, uh, in the, in the winter time it gets it, it's nice. So it's uh, let's just say. In, in like 20, let's just, let's just say 20. If it's it, around here, it's like between 60 degrees and 70 degrees. But what happens at night is it, there's a temperature shift of, of about 30 degrees. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. So, where, where you're most of the country, you know, you're staying relatively close day and night. Here, it'll, it'll shift uh, big time in the wintertime. So, you know, it'll go down to like, uh, it can go down to uh, like zero. Uh, zero at night like 30 something degrees like i've 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 had it where i've gone golfing in uh in january and went uh, around seven o'clock in the morning and there's frost on the on the uh on the green really yeah, it's it pretty cold oh, oh yeah. wow interesting it, it gets pretty it gets pretty cold out here in the desert i did not realize gets, that uh, okay well chris i know you want to talk sports uh i don't know if you're on to oilers or muhammad ali today okay today because that's pretty topical too what what are you thinking about man uh first uh I'll, I'll get to some Oilers stuff, and uh, I, I just I just want to uh, get your gauge. I read somewhere that uh, Hamannick might be available still. Um, 
And uh, by no means am I saying trading Taylor Hall because I, 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 I want to keep Taylor Hall. But I'm, uh, the question I have for you is, let's hypothetically, let's just say we, um, we start next season and we've uh, lost Taylor Hall but a- added, say, Milan Lucic, uh, Tyson Berry, or, uh, or Falk, and Matthew Kachuk. How upset would you be? If Hall was out... Lucic was here, Barry was here, and they drafted Kachuk. Yeah. How upset would I be? Uh, well, I don't know if I, I would be upset because I don't get emotional as most of the fans, but I would. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think the team would be that much better because I don't think one defenseman is going to be enough personally. And uh, I mean, look, if you if you don't have Hall, you got a pretty big hole in the offense. You, you'd have Lucic might be your top left winger, assuming Pouliot and Maroon and Hendricks uh, were your other choices. Um, I, I don't know if the team is much better if that's the situation. Oh, that's, that's fair enough. Now now for the, the Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you. I'm like uh, 38, so I was born in 78. Um, what, I think what some people don't understand, I don't, I don't throw out hero for athletes because athletes aren't heroes. Um, but what some people are failing to understand is this guy took a stand for something that he believed in, and he lost almost four years of his career. I don't think anybody in their right mind today would say, hey, I'm going to stand up for what I believe in, and I'm going to give up four years' worth of my career, especially in, in, in sports, because I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what he was getting paid back then, but that could translate nowadays. You're the, you're the, you're the, the best player in your sport. You're giving away millions upon millions of dollars. And we also, as I'm going to throw this out uh, lightly. i got to tread how I, how I say this. We as Caucasian Canadians, Caucasian Americans, do not understand and might not realize what um, African Americans went through back in that time period. You know, not only did he give up millions upon, well, a lot of money, the guy, the guy wasn't allowed to, to eat at certain places, wasn't allowed to, to do a lot of the things that we take for granted. Uh, not to mention death threats. Not to mention, you know, his family having death threats. You know, that's that's, you know, that that's unbelievable to to to, to fathom nowadays. And I, I really don't think a lot of athletes would do that, because you know, just just for the simple dollar. So, you know, that alone, um, regarding his political beliefs and and his religion and whether he was a draft dodger, you know what, I have my opinions on that and and. And that is what it is. But, uh, you know, great show. And uh, let's go Oilers and uh, hurry up with the Stanley Cup so I can uh, <laughs> see the Oilers make some moves here. I want to see uh, I want to see Tyson Berry or Falk here and uh, maybe another defenseman. And uh, my dream would be uh, landing maybe Falk and Hamannick somehow. But uh, dreaming is free. So <laughs> great show, bud. Okay. Thanks, Chris. That is Chris from Phoenix checking in tonight. Tell you what, uh, Tim Hunter is going to be on the show next, part of Canada's national junior team and a couple of good draft prospects on his Moose Jaw Club as well. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. 2-0, the Blue Jays leading Detroit. 
Uh, 2-0 Blue Jays leading Detroit in the top of the ninth. How about Aaron Sanchez tonight? He has allowed one hit through eight innings of work, only 93 pitches. He's given up one walk. He has struck out 12. He has struck out 12. Kevin Pillar has a homer for the Blue Jays. Bautista batting leadoff today with the other RBI. And I'm just seeing it on uh, Twitter here. Two, only two balls have been hit out of the infield by the Detroit Tigers. My goodness. That's some good pitching by Sanchez. Uh, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Going to hook up with Tim Hunter in a couple of minutes here. Head coach of the Moose Jaw Warriors, former Calgary Flame, of course. Uh, Russell texting in. He says, hey, Reed, I'm so disappointed to hear people talk bad about Muhammad Ali's stance on the Vietnam War. I was so proud of him for doing that. I still am. Why would anybody want to go fight in another one of America's senseless wars? I wonder if the people who are calling Ali a coward would go and fight in such a meaningless war. If more young people stood up to the government, maybe we would eventually have peace in the world. I'm not holding my breath, though. That is from... Russell, And that's why we're going to remember Ali is he took a stance based on his morals, based on his religion, and uh, it divided people. It, it, it divided people, and maybe it's, uh, you know, remembered differently than, than people would have felt about it at the time. But, but, I mean, here we are over 40 years after it happened, 50 years after it happened, we're, we're still talking about that choice and debating whether it made him special you know, what it meant to his boxing career, all that kind of stuff. A, a guy that will be remembered, of course, the funeral coming up on Friday. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chet. Well, uh, speaking of fighting, pleased to welcome to the show a man who played 815 NHL games and racked up 3,146 penalty minutes. Tim Hunter joining us. Tim, of course, I'm also going to mention your 62 goals and 76 assists because no one ever mentions those, right? Well, really, that was 1,500 minors, so I don't know what you're talking about as far as it goes to fighting. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, Tim, come on. I, I, I watched the Oilers and the Flames play in the 1980s, so I, I saw some penalties on both sides. Fair enough? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you most remember about those uh, Battle of Alberta days? I mean, it's funny. It's on, you're on Edmonton radio. You probably couldn't walk, uh, walk uh, to dinner on a road game here in Edmonton without getting booed when you came here in the 80s. Just the uh, sheer uh, competitiveness of the games and the fans, both cities, uh, the whole of Alberta, anywhere you went, they were looking forward to the Calgary-Edmonton games for sure. And uh, it was a thrill. It was great. It was great hockey. It was it was violence. It was, uh, you know, it was a game that's not played anymore, and uh, I think for the better. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it was uh, exciting to play uh, play in. And, uh, you know, um, the Battle of Alberta, I don't think you'll ever see anything as uh, the same. Yeah, pretty intense stuff for sure. You're going to be involved in a pretty intense tournament. You're an assistant coach for Canada's World Junior Team, Montreal and Toronto. This is one of those special tournaments for a lot of Canadian fans. Uh, you know, as a, as a coach and a player, it's special to participate in it, but comes with a lot of pressure as well too, Tim. Well, no question. And, uh, you know, last year Canada stubbed their toe and uh, finished sixth and definitely want to want to get Canada back in the gold medal podium and uh, no better place than to do it in Canada. Uh, it's a great opportunity for Canada to get 
back to that stage, and we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a real challenge. It's a it's a great uh, opportunity to represent your country. I've I've done it before as a coach. I never did it as a player, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. Um, I've been in a lot of big games as a player and a coach, and these are the things you you relish as a coach, and they make you better as a person and a coach. And uh, I'm really excited about that uh, pressure. It's it's what you want a player. Uh, play uh, with and uh, coach under. What do you think the difference? I, I usually ask coaches and players this, and, and I'm always interested in the answers I get. Do you have to approach a short tournament coaching-wise any differently than you do the, the grind of a WHL or an NHL season? Well, for sure. You know, you communicate with the players as soon as possible that they're selected, whether it's guys that will eventually be cut from the team or or what have you but you got to get the whole group to know that it's a special opportunity and you're special uh, players and it's a special thing to be involved with a team that comes together to play together and team first Canada first and not about uh, me before we and um, the three of us and along with Misha Donskoff well aware of those challenges and faced them before so um, I've had success with my own group and with the U18 group um, with bringing a group together in a short period of time and making things uh, bode or blend well to uh, be a team and compete for a medal and uh, it's not easy but uh, if everything's communicated up front that there's some acceptable terms and some unacceptable terms um, then all the players know that uh, buy-in is uh, is um, is what they have to do. Yeah, Tim Hunter joining us tonight inside Sports on 6:30. Chad, he's going to be an assistant coach for Canada World Junior Tournament, Montreal and Toronto. Of course, the annual Christmas New Year's uh, tournament. Tim also the head coach of the Moose Jaw Warriors. And and it's funny because we're I, I was trying to connect with you the, last week to to interview you before I knew you were going to be named to the coaching staff because I wanted to talk to you about some of your uh, your prospects for the upcoming draft because it's an exciting time for, for some of your, your young men. And uh, you have a couple of skaters ranked in the top 50 by uh, Central Scouting in North America. I want to start uh, I want to start with Brett Howden. I mean, here's a guy who could possibly go, uh, go in the first round out of your program. Well, Brett, Brett's a guy that's definitely going to be a number two center in the National Hockey League. Uh, could climb higher, but uh, you know that's where he's kind of slotted. Uh, playmaking, um, skilled center that can score, a uh, bit of a Jonathan Taze um, clone, um, very cerebral player that sees the ice well and thinks the game well, and a real leader. Natural leadership uh, qualities, uh, uh, raised with a uh, through a great family. Uh, fortunate to have a brother that was played in Moose Jaw and played for Hockey Canada. The World Junior was a was an assistant captain with the World Junior as member of the Florida Panthers. So he, he's kind of lived it uh, through his brother's skin, and uh, um, he knows how hard you have to compete and play. And I think Brett has gotten better and better through his experience here in Moose Jaw by the way we play, the way we allow our players to play, and. Uh, Brett's going to be a great, uh, great junior, and he'll be a real good uh, National Hockey League for sure. 
Yeah, you also have uh, Noah Gregor, Edmonton area product. And interesting for this young man who, and I mean, I know with with the rankings, Tim, we don't want to marry ourselves to them, but he was 75th in the midterm rankings, and he, he shot up to, to 45th in uh for the for the for the final ranking so you know that suggests a guy who uh must have really worked on his game and made some pretty big strides over the last three or four months of the season well for sure and you know noah didn't play last year he was injured after the 10th game with a broken collarbone and and missed the rest of the season so really his first year in junior he puts up a real good offensive numbers 15 power play goals and played on our top line with Braden point and dryden hunt to are probably the top five WHL players or top five in the Canadian Hockey League for sure. Tough to play as a 17-year-old with guys that command the puck a lot and uh, um, you're always worried about getting them the puck and not playing your own game instinctively. But, um, you know, and I use the Blackhawks for sure to, to compare our players because they're the, they're the model team and if you know, Howden to Taves and Gregor to Kane. He's got special skill, skill you don't find with many players. Uh, high-end speed, high-end athleticism, and uh, he could be a real home run for a team and uh, could be that player that's a top-line player that scores goals as either center or a wing because um, he has that special skill and speed. So a um, little tough for for scouts to analyze because of uh, being his first year, he didn't play as a 16, and then playing with two very, very good players. But, you know, Noah scored 15 power play goals, and Dryden Hunt scored 16. So part of how we play as a power play, but really a big factor in the amount of skill that he has. So um, Noah's a real intriguing prospect, and lots of conversations around the league with scouts and managers and you know, this is a guy that could be a definite home run for teams. And, you know, I, I see somebody stepping up early to take him and not wait until the second round. Tim Hunter joining us, head coach of the Moose Jaw Warriors. i got to ask you about your goaltender as well, Zachary Slachenko. Um, I mean, and again, you look at the rankings, he's sixth uh, among North American goalies. We know, Tim, the, the, the old... Uh, the old cliche, goalies take longer to develop. Never draft a goalie high unless you think he's going to be an absolute slam dunk. It's funny because it's probably the most important position in the game because I've never seen a good team with a, with a bad goalie, as, as, as you know. So uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, about Zachary and how you see him developing. Well, we're really fortunate to have, have Zach. He's uh, got a very, very high skill level in that. Uh, his athleticism is exceptional for a goalie and if you compare him to anyone it would be Jonathan Quick because his ability a little bit smaller than Jonathan Quick but uh, every bit of skill great with a puck great rebound control technically um, Sazi's very very good and uh, um, you know he has that ability to get from one side of the net to the other in a hurry um, well, our best penalty killer for those backdoor plays, uh, you know, getting across and getting a pad or getting something on the puck, and uh, very exceptional. And you know, you you can teach a goalie the technical side, but you can't coach or teach that skill level and that athleticism. And uh, you know, we're we're fortunate to have him. And you know, a guy that gets 
kind of left by the wayside a little bit, but he's had a lot, a lot of interest is Brody Wilms. And Brody's every bit of skilled, but he's a little bit bigger goalie um, and a little, plays a little more calmer style in the game, in, in, the, in the net. So, um, you know, we've had lots of interest, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Brody doesn't go in the fifth or sixth or so round. Well, that that'd be great for you guys to have two goaltenders drafted for sure. Tim, I'll throw you one more before we let you go. I mean, everybody remembers you as a player. I, I know you've you, you know you've had a pretty accomplished coaching uh, career as well, and and you've been behind NHL benches. What do you what do you like, or what is different, if anything, about coaching under twenty players who are building their careers as opposed to uh, working with NHL guys? Anything stand out to you? Well, the biggest thing is 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 how fast they improve and how fast they change and that's the the most gratifying thing as a coach because you see it uh, week to week you see it really quick you see it some days in practice from beginning to end if you take a guy side show him a little video before how to release his shot pull and do different things to load up his stick to disguise his shot by the end of practice he's figured it out and he's scoring goals um you know the older guys have a lot of that figured out so it's there it's minimal changes and 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 um minimal minimal adjustments but uh, the young guys they're sponges they love to be coached uh, they love to be treated uh, like men and um you allow them to play and you allow them to play uh, creatively uh, they blossom and uh, that's how we uh, do things in moose jaw and uh, we're fortunate to uh, that a lot of our players have uh, improved over the last two years. Yeah, well, exciting time for you guys going into the draft as well. Hey, Tim, thanks for so much for taking time for us. Again, congratulations on being named to Canada's coaching staff. Uh, I know it's, uh, whatever, seven and a half months away, but, but all the best in the world, juniors. You'll have the whole country on your side. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That is Tim Hunter checking in tonight. Good to talk to him on the show. And, yes, yeah, some interesting draft prospects coming off his team. Noah Gregor, Brett Howden, likely to go in the first couple of rounds. Pretty uh, pretty good forward prospects. And, you know, maybe, here's the thing. We know the Oilers right now slated to draft fourth in the second round. You know, maybe they'd be looking at somebody like a Howden or a Gregor if they're still available. It is 748 Inside Sports on 630. Ched Detroit is on the board. 2-1 Blue Jays, bottom of the ninth. And uh, with nobody out, the Tigers have a runner on second base. So getting a little tense now. Sanchez uh, unable to, to finish this one for the Jays. 98 pitches, 12 strikeouts, but they're going to have to go to the bullpen. We'll keep you updated. It's Inside Sports on Chad. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. How are you doing tonight? Really appreciate that you're tuning in. Well, you know, the Blue Jays are uh, doing their best to give this one away here. So Sanchez came out for the ninth, no doubt about it. He was pitching a gem. Gave up a uh, single to Iglesias, a double to Kinsler. So that makes it 2-1. Osuna comes in to pitch. Obviously a, a sacrifice bunt situation for the Tigers. Now Miguel Cabrera at the dish, first pitch, low and in, called a strike. I mean, that was a foot. It was a foot inside and probably eight inches low. 
Am I exaggerating, Matthew? Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. It was it was not a strike. Fair enough? I agree with you. It was not it, a strike. I was stunned it was called a strike. Then Osuna on the next pitch nearly hits Cabrera in the head. L- luckily, uh, not a wild pitch. And uh, now he comes through with a strike. So it's one and two. But obviously in a situation where anything to the outfield oh, is oh, going to oh, tie the oh. game. And this could be uh, one hopper. Yeah, they don't get there in time. That's an easy double for Cabrera. 2-2, one out, bottom of the ninth. So that means Sanchez, brilliant, will get a no decision. He, he can't get the loss, right? I'm just, no, no, he, he can't. Get now the it's loss. on Osuna he, if he gets a, the get loss. get a no decision. Well, they still haven't put the, how come they haven't put the run on the board? That can't be right. Somebody's being a bit it slow. Is, it, is two, two. it is 2-2. It is 2-2, right? We're listening without the sound, but it should be 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, obviously, yes. Cabrera, pitch on the outer half of the plate. He goes with it, drives it the other way into the gap in right center. Pilar, unable to get there in time. He had to wait for it to hop off the wall, bare hands it, and throws it into the infield. Man. That is a tough one. 7.54, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, my name is Reed Wilkins. The other voice is tonight's studio producer, Matthew Panashik. This portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. You just want to check. It is 2-2 because they still haven't changed it on the scoreboard they put on the screen. It is, yes, it is 2-2. There, now they have it right. Now they're uh, issuing an intentional walk, so there's to try to get the force at any uh, base, so they'll be first and second with uh, one out for the Toronto Blue Jays. New member of the Edmonton Oilers organization to tell you about, Rod Adolph is now the coach of the ECHL team, the Norfolk Admirals. He's 45. He spent the last three, th- last three seasons with the Pensacola Ice Flyers of the Southern Professional Hockey League. In three seasons there, Captured the championship twice. He was the 13-14 coach of the year. He uh, had a 15-year professional playing career. Played defense in North American Europe, including five seasons in the ECHL. He's from Lethbridge. He guided Team Canada West to a win at the Canadian Junior Hockey League Prospects events in Nova Scotia. That was back in November of 2012. So Rod Adolph, A. Uh, pardon me, Al- Aldoff. I mixed the letters around. Boy, that was... I got to get me some reading lessons. Rod Aldoff, A-L-D-O-F-F. Wow. That's what happens when you try to watch baseball with one eye and uh, read with the other eye. All right, here's what's coming up on the show. We will get an update from Edmonton Eskimos training camp with Morley Scott. You'll hear some comments from head coach Jason Moss as well. Interesting what is going on at the quarterback position. James Franklin who many of you liked from last season, could he be possibly bumped down the depth chart? Is Thomas DeMarco going to wrest the backup job away from Mr. Franklin? We know Mr. Mike Riley will be the number one quarterback. You can always text us at 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Tomorrow on the show, you'll hear from uh, Kelly Rudy and uh, former Canadian PGA player Dick Zokel will join us as well. But still an hour to go tonight. We'll keep you updated on the Blue Jays game. We'll be back in about seven minutes. Yeah, they may have lost it by then. It's getting a little shaky. 
3-1 count now. Uh, ball away from loading the bases with one out. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.